0: One night I'm like I'm 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 desperate. I'm alone. I'm outside of the apartments. I said, God, either you do something, you make you please make yourself real to me, and I will leave this lifestyle or I'm done. If I don't hear for you, I'm I'm done.
1: This is the Dor McCallen Podcast, and our guest this week is George Diaz. Today we'll discover the second half of George's life story. If you have not heard the first half, go ahead and listen to that before you hear this second part. We've already heard how George grew up, and today you will hear about his incredible conversion and life after salvation. Thanks for listening. Let's jump in. And so you were for one year there in West Virginia. You eventually returned to California. Um, even though you've been sober for a year, you've been clean, you had some experience with religion. Um, when you come back to Cali, you actually just go back to the same lifestyle, the same old friends, the same old drugs, being reckless. Um, and you eventually you know, saw something uh, as a way out of your destructive life. Can you explain that? What, what was that way out that you saw?
0: Yeah, so um, I got tired of, of God, of what I thought was God. Right. And I decided, I told my aunt, I want to move back to California. This is not working out. I still had nightmares. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to find something to cope with. Um, still was depressed and everything. Just, uh, you know, it was crazy. Uh, but I didn't talk about it. Never did. Actually, this is one of the first times that I do with anybody. Um, I, it was more of a I suppressed it every single time, because right. I was a man, so I suppressed everything and instead put on a show. So you're hearing this side of me while everybody else knows a different story, because I put on a mask. So in front of everybody, if you were to talk to my family, they would say I was perfect. Good grades in school, I was respectful. Uh, I did everything right, but because I was so good at hiding all the suffering, all the pain, everything that I tried to go through, and I wanted to go back to that, so I did. I came back to California, and uh, I went back into the same lifestyle. I met my girlfriend, and now my wife, but at the time my girlfriend, uh, and I decided that I needed you know if I really I really at the time I really loved her. I thought it, well I, what I felt was love. And um and I was like, "Oh man, I really like this girl. I need to I need to be better. You know, I need to be able to live. I need <laughs> you know? to get my act straight. I need to get my act together right. because if not I am going to end up like my uncles, like my aunt, like my mom." And and uh so what I did is we started dating and then um she actually moved to mccallan um after we met like four months after we met and she started going to uh to this church she told me about it but i didn't i didn't listen right so i'm, I'm going to high school still doing the same thing still partying and uh at 18 i finally i, I Started going to church there in California, and I met this 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 guy that was a top disciple there in the, in the baby work, and uh, he was a Marine, you know, and he's like, hey, man, if you really want to change or if you really want to try something or be something, why don't you become a Marine? Mm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I joined the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps to try to change, you know, a lot of people... Think, you know, oh, you're patriotic. Yeah, serve your country. I was like, nah, dude. I just had nowhere else to go to. Right. You know, I had nowhere else to go. So I joined the Marine Corps. And, you know, I had signed a four-year contract. Uh, While I was in training, everything is good. You know, I'm sober. Obviously, I had to be sober. I had to train before. So I'm feeling good. I, I felt like I stepped into my destiny because I loved it. Everything. You know, the guys, the drill instructors, you know, screaming at us, not letting us eat, not letting us sleep. Uh, we had, always had to be five feet apart from them. So sometimes, you know, I'm running up the stairs. I remember one time running up the stairs and I was with my head down. He's like five feet. So he pushes me and I fall down all the way down three stories on the stairs. And I was like, all right, this didn't hurt. My dad did worse than this, you know, but I felt like I would, like, I finally felt like I belonged somewhere. I was like, this is what I was built for.
1: Um, Throughout your whole life, um, as you mentioned, you were always battling with this depression. um, And you would always suppress it. You would always ball it up. Now you're in the Marine Corps. Did your depression manifest itself in the Corps? Or did uh, did the Corps help you overcome your depression?
0: At the time being, I was so distracted with the Marine Corps. I, and and the the uh, the feeling of finally f- discovering what I, what my destiny was at the time, right? What I was made for. This this all the pain, all the suffering that I went through, it has led up to this. I didn't know it at the time, but now I felt it, right? So everything was going good until, uh, you know, about a year later, uh, in two thousand nine. My contract gets changed. You know, the Marine Corps is, is, is downsizing and they're like, Hey, Diaz, uh, you know, you're, you're new and everything. Um, but you need to, it, we change your contract. And I'm like, well, but I signed a four year. They're like, yeah, we're the government. We don't care. So what they did is they gave me two years active, two years reserve with the opportunity that in the reserves, I can go back active duty. So I was like, okay, that's still cool. Right. That's okay. So everything's going good. And then I start hearing rumors like, oh, dude, you're never going back active. What do you mean? Like, yeah, once you're done here, like, there's no way you're going to get back. I know know, I start hearing stories about how people have been trying for years and their reserve stations and and all these things. And I'm like, what? So then there comes again, my depression. Right. Like, I really thought like, really? Like this, this is what I thought I was made for. And, and then here, it's getting stripped away. It's getting taken away, just like everything. My childhood was taken away. Right. It sounds like it's a pattern now, yeah. almost. Everything being. T- as soon as it gets good, it, it gets worse. You know. Now and it's a different way because now I'm, I'm an adult. I'm supposed to, you know, look into more into the future. Right. But it's getting stripped away. So I, yeah, I, f- I fall into depression again. Start hanging out with the wrong people in the Marine Corps. Now I don't care anymore. I can't make it a career because, you, you know, I, I'm believing all these stories and I have nobody to guide me. So I start hanging on with the wrong people. Start in doing, the Marine Corps, I, the yeah, wrong people. In there. the Marine Corps. You know, they start hanging on with gang members in the Marine Corps. Start doing drugs, you know, smuggling them in so we can party, you know, all these things. And, and then it goes downhill again, my, my life. And I have nowhere else to turn to. But I do remember, hey, my girlfriend told me to go to church. That 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 church can help me, so I, I, you know, in that time I was still going half heartedly to church, but I decided to focus more. Then I said, okay, I've tried everything else. I've tried everything else. Let me let me try this this whole Jesus thing,
1: right? And this was in two thousand nine, right? When your uh, your seems like your marine career is is coming to an end, and you like I said, you start going to this church to just try it. You know, you've tried everything. Well, this can't hurt. And so you're going for a while, you're not saved, you're you're half-hearted, you're still attending, but you're still doing your own thing. It wasn't until late 2010, you know, a year later that you finally decided to surrender your life to Christ. Can you explain your conversion?
0: Yes. So, you know, for about a year, year and a half, I'm going in and out, right? Go to church and then get high and then go to church and then between service, get high. And then at the night service, go to church again, right? Uh, the crazy thing is, though, I never stopped going because I would hear that. I remember one sermon in the Pacific that said, no matter what, keep going. Even if you fall, keep coming. And I felt guilty. Every single time I would come, I would feel like this conviction. Every sermon was literally for me. And, and, and I, would get, I would go to the altar crying, but then I would go back to my old self and then come back. And I remember one day, uh, I think it was Pastor Esco Gafoor that I was doing a revival. And, you know, he was praying, he was preaching about how we have to be careful what we what we ask for, you know, what we pray for, because sometimes God will really give it to us. And I was like, well, you know, my whole life, I've been praying for a better life. My whole life, I've been praying for a mom, for a dad, for the abuse to stop, for, for all the pain to go away and it's never happened. What makes me think he's gonna listen to me now? And I was angry and I wasn't even I wasn't even angry at God really honestly when I'm I'm saying those things. But I wasn't angry at God. I was just like, okay, well, God, like, where were you back then? And uh, you know, do you want me to believe that I have to be careful what I pray for? Right. And I remember, you know, the challenge. I was like, all right, God, I was praying. You know, God, if you're real, you know, okay, don't go too crazy like Job. But let's see something something around the, those lines happened to me. And it was the worst thing you could pray for because that's exactly what happened. I started getting sick in uh, the Marine Corps. They were going to medical just discharge me because I started having heart problems. Uh, my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she left me because she really got saved. And she said, you're not going all the way how you're supposed to. And I don't want that. Well, so she leaves me. That's right? a woman of God right there. Come uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for that, you know. I mean, it was all those little things together. Everything right? Everything's accumulating. Coming, accumulating and, of course, it's nowhere near like Job. Now that I know what, <laughs> what happened to Job, nowhere right. near it. But at the time, I was like, it was enough. It was enough to to realize that you know what if i i there's a pattern of of me destroying of going back to these things and never really being able to move forward, so if i'm gonna do this, I need to stop trying God, and I need to surrender mm. you know I need to stop giving things chances and finally surrendering to something, and what better thing to surrender than this to God and I remember. You know, being depressed in my cousin's apartment because I was kicked out from where I was living and uh, not wanting to go out, not wanting to eat I would do drugs, but that's about it. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, and one night I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm alone. I'm outside of the apartments. I said, God, either you do something, you make you please make yourself real to me and I will leave this lifestyle or I'm done. If I don't hear for you, I'm I'm done. And uh, I'm bawling. I said, God, please come into my heart. Do something. I need you desperately. I need you. I know you're real because of what's going on. So please help me. And that night I had a dream. And everything was white all around me. And I was just standing in this empty whiteness. And I hear this loud voice, this comfortable voice, a strong, and just peace. And very clearly, I just remember him saying, if you were to just leave everything in my hands, if you were to just tr- to trust me, you don't have to worry about your future. You don't have to worry about a destiny, a purpose that you long for. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen. You don't have to worry about your past and what you've gone through because you're no longer there. You just need to trust me. And I woke up and I was crying. I was—it was tears of joy because I was like, "Oh my gosh!" That's... I mean, that really felt like God. I mean, I know I've been on drugs for a couple of days, but I was like, "That—that that really felt like God." And—and and that's when everything changed. I dropped absolutely everything, every single thing. I dropped it. No more drugs. I stopped drinking. I told my friends, you know, if you're going to do drugs and drink, I don't want to be a part of it. A lot of them left. A lot of them... I, I was surprised. A lot of them respected it. You know? But but I, I you know, I told them, I'm done. Even people... You know, one of the things that it was hard for people to believe is that sometimes because I was coming to church while I was still doing drugs, the crazy thing is every time I would get high, I would try to preach to people. You know, I'm over here doing drugs and then trying to preach to them about Jesus. So it was hard for them to believe a real radical conversion. Right. But I, I finally got saved. And I did it. And and it was a, it was a start of a new life, a, a new creation. And the only problem is, I didn't leave everything at the altar.
1: And so this was late 2010. You know, you you get saved. You get radically converted. 2011 rolls along. And uh, you eventually do begin to, now that you're saved, you're, you're living clean. You begin to uh, talk and court and eventually marry your then girlfriend, now your wife. Um, and because of that, you actually, you made the decision to move here to McAllen, Texas. And, you know, since, like I said, you're already saved, you're attending our church here at the door in McAllen. You know, you eventually feel the call to preach. You're in discipleship here, and uh, you went on to pastor two churches. George pastored in Jacksonville, Arkansas, and he also pastored in Paducah, Kentucky. And throughout this whole time, from Salvation, right, in 2010, until then, here pastoring the two churches, you still haven't really defeated the giant of depression. Did your depression manifest itself while you were you know in the ministry or did you find something did god help you finally overcome that
0: yeah so like i said earlier um i thought you know when when salvation came um that i had left everything but like i said there's the one thing that i subconsciously kept with me which was the depression you know um I would have, throughout my discipleship, I would have these just, when everything was going good, sometimes I'd have these waves of just not feeling it, not feeling anything. No, I didn't feel love. I didn't feel motivation. I, uh, I just, uh, it was so, it's weird to explain, you know, um, but it would happen. You know? Yes, when things were bad, I would get really bad. But even when things were good, Or sometimes we're like, this is too good to be true, Mm -hmm. you know, because of my past. This is too good to be true. It's going to be taken away. Something's going to happen. I just know it. But I was already saved, right? So, you know, you would think, oh, we shouldn't be thinking that way. But we all have this little thing called human nature, you know, and sometimes it's what happens. Right. Especially when you don't, and and like I I said, I, I didn't realize I hadn't dropped that part of me at the altar. So I go pastor, you know, I, I suppress, I still, I'm still suppressing. Even, even as, a, as a Christian, I'm suppressing these things. I don't talk to my wife about it. I don't talk to pastor about it. I don't talk to anybody about it. I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I'm with God now. I'm just going to push it in my, push it in, push it under, forget about it. I would still have nightmares. I would still have nightmares. You know, and there we are in Arkansas. In Arkansas and, and, and th- you know, we're, I'm excited. I'm on fire. You know, it's me, God, and the devil. <laughs> devil, what can you do to me? What more can you do to me? Right. I can do a lot. <laughs> but it was always in the good, you know, and um, and in the bad, obviously. I still I still really dealt with it. Uh, Arkansas is where it, it brought it up a little bit, you know, because we would do really good and then, you know, people would leave. And Arkansas was like a real battle. It was a real battle. I um, one because it was such a small city And there was like 200 churches in that tiny little city I could go around the whole city in 15 minutes You know, so it was a battle But I didn't give up, right? We still kept going Then Paducah opened up I, Hey, you want to you wanna pass from Paducah? And I was like, alright, let's change scenery You know, let's do it there And, and I was rocking and rolling in Paducah And, and, everything, and everything was going good Until it wasn't you know and and it and it came up again, and uh I finally decided like I can't keep doing this if I'm gonna last, something needs to be done, I need to really get this off of my back, off of my chest, I need to get this off of out of me, you know, I need to figure this out, and eventually I did and and there was there in Paducah where I finally. Came to this revelation of what I needed to do, and and it, it if I could say now, uh, I I you know, I, oh are you are you some people are you you know my wife is like, are you gonna be back to the old man? I was like, nope, that's a new man. God renewed me; He has renewed me again, you know. And and, and that's that's the thing is I finally let it all go. I, I let it all out. I said, yeah, this is not gonna hold me back. Cause there's a reason why I survived everything. No matter how many drugs, no how much alcohol, no matter how many reckless things I did, nothing was killing me. I got run over so many times in Mexico, fell off a three-story building head down, and nothing killed me. And it was for a purpose. It was for a reason. I never realized it, you know. But but God has His plans. God has His way of you know of when you finally start uh, letting God do what He needs to do in you. Right. You know, that's the thing, is, is you need to let God do, because He'll never force anything on you, right? We can, we, can, we can say all these things, do all these things, but unless we let God move in certain areas in your life, it's not going to happen. And that's one of the things that I, wouldn't, I, I I wasn't letting God move into, even though, you know, I was telling people, that God can help him. I'm preaching, right? And God can help you no matter the situation. Just leave it at the altar. But then here I am like a hypocrite. You know, like, dude, why don't you do the same thing? Right. Right? Like, why don't you do it? And I was like, well, it's not for me. <laughs> but I finally came to the revelation. You know what? Yeah, it is for me. And I need to do that. And, and And I did it. And my pastor helped me. You know, he's the one that really just hammered it down and said, hey, you need to make a choice. And I was like, all right, you got it. At first, I was, I was like, oh, man, this that's pretty hard. But that's what I needed. And, and, and you know, and, and God knew I that's what I needed. And my pastor knew what I needed. And, uh, and I was like, man, he's right. And I finally let it all go. You know, the saying
1: is that hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, when you were crying out to God in California and in that dream, you know, it was God who spoke to you. If You can just trust me. You don't have to worry about a future. And here you are years down the road, and you're living a new future, a new destiny and purpose in Christ that back then you were so worried about, what am I going to do? I'm going to die in my sin. I'm going to die a drug addict. I'm going to, you know, not live in this uh, marine career. But God had different plans, and God uh, helped you overcome and defeat that giant of depression. You know, you've been saved now for 10 years, uh, married for nine years. Through your ups and downs, you know, through your flaws, human nature, as you mentioned,
0: through it all, what can you say has kept you going this whole time? Obviously, I'm still not, and we will never be perfect, right? Uh, but there's a little story of the second time God made him, himself real to me. And this is the one that has kept me going. So I had just gotten saved, and I prayed. I said, God, I want you to reveal my destiny to me. I want to to be useful to you. I pray if you put anybody in front of me, I don't care if he's homeless, if, you know, prostitute, uh, whatever, whatever, rich dude, I don't care. Put him in front of me, I'll tell him about you. I'll tell him what you can do because I know you because you've done it for me. And I remember that night going out to dinner with the evangelists and the pastors and disciples, and there's a guy, you know, homeless guy in the restaurant, and he's pointing at the crowd, and you know, I'm thinking, Oh, he's talking to the pastors, like I just got saved. I you know, I was high like two seconds ago and got just radically got saved, you know, or two nights ago I was high and just got saved the night before and I'm I'm like I've devoted. There's no way he's talking to me. You know, I barely know anything, obviously. And uh, he, the pastors go, and they're like, oh, no, no, not you guys. Him. And he's pointing at me. So I walk over, and he says, I don't know why, but someone's telling me that I need to talk to you. And, I mean, I, I was in shock. I, I, I literally had just prayed. Put anybody in front of me, and I'll tell them. I'll tell them who you are. And I, and I talked, and I witnessed to him for two hours. My food got cold. Everybody's telling me, hey, hurry up. Like, we need to go. And I just, I was so excited because God had made himself so real. And and that's what has kept me. That's part, really the biggest part of what has kept me going. No matter the struggle, no, no, no matter what's going on around me, no matter how crazy I get or, or anything, is that I cannot, God has been so undeniably real in my life, so undeniably real. You know, and and my my kids, my wife, right? The future that my kids have, the the generational curse that was broken because I gave my life to God. Right. You know, it all stems from God, period. But but all these things, you know, my son uh, last weekend, you know, uh, he's super tired. You know, we, we go to serious men. He calls it manly men's. So uh, he's waking up. You know, he's tired. His brother's bugging him. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? If you're tired, just go to bed. Like, mom, it doesn't matter how I feel. He says, I need to go to Manly Men's. When he said that, I was like, that's why I got to keep going. That's why I got to keep going. Because I don't want my son to ever. I don't want my son. I don't want my wife. I don't want my future generations to ever go through anywhere that I went through. I want them to know that because of the blessing of God, of what He has done and how He has made Himself so real to me, that they get to experience even further blessing. I know I'm not in the promised land yet. I know I'm not, a lot of people may say, you're not not successful yet or anything, but to me, I'm successful already. Just this little bit that I've done, you know, where I, I broke the curse. God broke the curse through my life. To me, I'm good, and I know God has more. I'm good with what I have now, and I'm just like, God, I know you have more. And there's nothing that's going to take me away from that. No matter what, there is nothing that's going to take me away from getting what God wants for me.
1: Today, George is faithfully serving in his mother church here in McAllen, Texas, He and his wife are both heavily involved in our church, and they have three wonderful boys. George faithfully served our country in the Marine Corps, as you heard, and still plans on going out again to pioneer a new church. If you know somebody who is going through a similar situation or is battling similar demons, please share this podcast with him, the first half and this second half. And remember, please subscribe to this podcast. We post real-life stories every week. Real people with real problems who encountered a real savior. My name is Beto Rivas, and this is the Dorma Callan Podcast. Thanks for listening.